Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are in our second week of Reach, Grow, Serve. It is our uh, bi-yearly, is that a thing, bi-yearly? I'm going to make it a thing. It's a thing now. Bi-yearly uh, series that we go through our uh, mission vision statement of reaching, growing, and serving the community for Christ. And so we are in Grow this week, and we want to take you uh, on a journey with that. So everything that we've been doing this morning is talking about taking our next steps in faith. How do we go from where we are, maybe where we, we feel like we're mired, maybe we feel like we're stuck, maybe we feel like we're just existing here, maybe we feel like we're pretty happy with where we're at. I don't know where that is for you individually, but how do we go from wherever we're at to the next place where God would have us? And so as we unpack that today, as we explore that this morning, I want to uh, first pray for these bags. You might have seen them go, why in the world? You thought, oh, the grads are getting this. Oh, the students are getting this. Oh, maybe the kids are getting this. You were wrong. Uh, okay. Uh, so what these are for is we want to pray for these bags because they are our care packages um, for the teachers and support staff here at the school here, uh, right in our backyard. We share a parking lot with them, and so we try to love them uh, as much as we can throughout the year, and this is one of the things that we do for them uh, each year, as well as some other goodies throughout uh, the year as well. So thank you for everyone who, who gave uh, so generously uh, to this, but we want to pray over these and the year that the teachers are going to have and the influence they're going to have. And um, some of you guys have kids that are going to be over there, and you're like, yes, please, teacher, have a good year, because that means my kid has a good year, right? And, and just as that overflows into everyone else. And so we're going to pray for these here, and then we will uh, get going here with the message. God, thank you for um, what these bags represent. Thank you for these teachers who willingly sacrifice so much of their lives to pour into little ones. And God, I don't know if these teachers are close with you or far from you. I don't know if their marriages are falling apart. I don't know if their kids are acting crazy. I don't know their stories. But God, as, as we, we just pray for these gifts, we pray that they would feel your love, your kindness, your presence with them, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, whatever they're struggling through, that they would know they have an ally in this church, that we may not know their name, we might not know their face, but we care about them. And God, so right now we, we lift them up as they go start this new year with new kids and new excitement, new pressures, new IEPs, new paperwork, new parents. Let them find joy in teaching. Let them see the difference that they're making. God, that you would fill their love tank to its brim. Bless these bags. Bless these teachers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's very important uh, uh, that we had our students in here today as well as I caused Kelly all kinds of problems because we were like, let's have all of the teenagers in the service today. And Kelly said, that's a great idea until she did the scheduling for all the volunteers in the back. That is a problem. 
right? That is a problem because they all pour into our kids. That's not a cop out so they can ditch me because I'm weird up here. That is just, they, they want to serve and they serve so generously back in the back and downstairs. And, and so it causes this issue of, Kelly's like looking at the schedule. She's like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, we're going to figure this out. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's an awesome thing to, to say, that our students are so involved in pouring into our little ones. And none has been more involved than these seniors that we're graduating uh, this year. And we are really, really going to miss you, uh, but we're glad to see you go as well. Because that means you get to be, oh, okay. Uh, well, I couldn't make you cry and then not be mean, right? That's a, um, because that means we get to unleash you into this world and you get to take your next steps. And you get to become who you're going to become. You're going to have more fun in the next six weeks than you've ever had in your whole entire life. I guarantee it, right? Especially you two. Going off to big state school is just going to have a good old time. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. But we sent you... (laughs) Thanks, Jerry. But we... (laughs) What is she talking about? I have no idea. Uh, But we send you off knowing... We've done our best. And when, we, when this church dedicated you as little babies and kids, right? We've taken that literally with you guys. Walk through you. I've yelled at both of you. All four of you. you know, I've yelled, what are you doing? What is this stupid? Stop that. Dumb boy here. And why are you treating that guy this way? Break up with him, right? Because <laughs> that's what being dedicated in this church means is that you gain a whole family that says, you know what? I know your parents do this, but it's my job, too, to step in and say, hey, I love you. <laughs> but that as a church, we're called to do all that as well, is taking our next steps in faith. They're getting ready to take literal next steps. You know, JC leaves Tuesday. And so these steps are going to be long to that car. Perry is going to ball like a little baby, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're just going to step and walk through you with that. If you guys need anything, you can't call your parents. You know you can call us, right? I'm, like, mm. I'm not billing you out, though. I probably, no, um. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> when I need you the most, Jared. Uh. How do we grow from this? How do we take our next steps? How do we move from where we're at to where we need to be? Because what it really comes down to is some of us are stuck in an environment in which we want to change. We are in an environment that we go, something is not right here. The environment needs to change. And how do we do that? How do we start causing something to change because often we get defeated by our environment. We get stuck in our environment and we just kind of like sit in it. And then we get sick, and we're like, yeah, well, I'm sick, but I'm stuck in this environment because, you know, it's, it just happens, and it just, it just keeps on going on here and here and here. It's like, um, it's, have you seen the diving well at the Olympics? <laughs> right? I was a swimmer. I spent way too much time with chlorine. I'm ready to, like, mail them bottles of chlorine. Just dump it in the pool. We need a shock treatment of all shock treatments, but no one is changing the environment. Oh, we made a mistake. We put hydrogen peroxide in with chlorine. Guess what? Those neutralized each other out. Well, we'll just let them swim in a cesspool of goo. 
do something about it, change your environment. But we're the same way. We operate like the Olympic Committee. We're like, oh, well, I don't know what to do about that. That's the way it is. We tried something. We still got goo, so, well, we just we tried something. And we make fun of them, but our own lives look exactly the same way. I filled out that one application 10 years ago. Guess I'm never getting a job. Right? We, we did this once or twice, but it's, it didn't change. I went on that diet for about two hours. I'm going to say amen to myself here, Jimmy. Uh, but that donut was right there. Growing in our faith is the building block of changing our environment, whatever environment that is, whether it's a, uh, our family environment. And your family environment might be absolutely amazing, but if we always want it to grow to be better. Growing in our faith is the building block to changing our family environment, our, uh, our relationship environment, our work environment, and the actual environment in which we live. Our mission is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, which actually means that we want to change this place. We want to change the Shorewood, Joliet, Plainfield area. And depending on where you're standing or what corner you're on, you're in all three at the same time, right? My house, I pay taxes to two communities at the same time. Yay me! Uh, so that's just what, what happens because of how we're located, where we're at. We just want to be changing the environment in which we're in. This requires sustained discomfort. And this is the problem where I think we stop. This requires sustained discomfort. The diet requires sustained discomfort. The working out requires sustained discomfort. Working on your marriage requires sustained discomfort. Working on our faith requires sustained discomfort. And we don't like discomfort. We re- coil from it. We try to move away from discomfort. But growing in our faith requires us to break through that. There's a guy who just won gold in the 50 free this week. He is 35 years old. I'm coming out of retirement. Okay, I still got, I still got a little time. But he, he was in the Olympics when he was 19 years old. And then he came back and, and won the, the same event when he was 19. He comes back and wins it when he's 35. That is crazy to think about it. Guys don't do that. They peak at like 22 and we're done, okay? It's all downhill from there, guys. Thanks, Jared, for the pick-me-up. Appreciate it. Uh, so, but the guys don't do that. He did it. He, I'm telling you right now, he had sustained discomfort when he got back in that pool. He had sustained discomfort breaking through those physical barriers. He had sustained discomfort getting up at the 4 o'clock you know, morning practices and then doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. He had sustained discomfort. In some of our lives, we're not willing to have the sustained discomfort to get the results that we long for. We make them not as something we can grow towards, but just dreams for the future. We keep on having wishes instead of having action plans. Growing in our faith is the building block for changing our environment. The difference between wishes and action plans are the steps that we can take. And so here at the church, we've been really thinking about how do we help with next steps? How do we produce next steps for people? I can't I can't make you, I'm not going to walk by you and go, oh, this is where 
you go, that's not going to help you, right? But I can give you the next steps to say, here are some areas in which you can take a next steps to grow your faith. You can grow in these different ways. I'm going to give you those next steps. Some of them are big steps. Some of them are leaps. Some of them are just like baby steps. Because everyone is in a different part of that spectrum in their faith. Maybe you are ready for a leap. Maybe you're ready for a big step. Maybe you're ready just for a baby step. Here they are. Kevin already alluded to them, and we're going to hit them again. First of the next steps you can take is join a life group. They start the week of September 18th. You can go ahead and circle that on your calendar. We'll have sign-ups for those very, very soon. But sign up for a life group. And we're going to center on life groups for a large portion of the rest of this message. But the second thing is participate in the food bank. Maybe it's as simple as, I'm going to participate in the food bank. I'm going to go get the stuff on the list. I'm just going to do that. Third, serve in our kids' ministry. Serve in our kids' ministry. We have a training today. If you're interested in working with those amazing kids that flooded these aisles, you can go down in the loft right after service. Lunch is going to be provided, and we will train you on how to uh, be amazingly effective in kids' lives. Serve in our kids' ministry. If you are going, Jared, I don't know enough Bible. I don't know this. I don't know that. Guess what? You can ask Missy Fermenti. Say, Missy Fermenti, how much Bible have you learned teaching preschoolers? She's like, I learned so much. And she'll be very enthusiastic about it. It's very fun. <laughs> right? But you don't, that's not an excuse. Like, you only have to learn one thing. And that's just one thing. And, and you, you can grasp the preschool lesson, I promise you. But it will start to matriculate into your brain. Go, whoa, whoa. Oh, you mean this is connected with this, with this? Because you're looking at the stories in a whole different way. Volunteer in the kids' ministry. We're, we're, we're graduating some of our best uh, stu- or kids volunteers today, and I'm a little upset about that. And so is Kelly, by the way. But that's, that's what it is. We're, we're, we're getting rid of them. Uh, but we've made room for new people to step up into that. Serve in the kids' ministry. Uh, f- another thing you can do is serve... At the block party, this is a baby step. Serve at the block party. There is all kinds of things that we do. This is going to be a huge day. It's one of the biggest things that we do in the church. But serve at the block party. Have ownership in it. I came to the, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but since the block party, it's really fun to look at a graph of what the church has done since last year's block party. The line goes like this. Right? If you look at it, I went to the women's uh, event team that, that plans the block party and said, ladies, what you do matters. Look at the graph. I had someone, Kevin, check my math. It really does this, right? And so the graph goes like this. Why? Because it's important on how you set up those tables and chairs. It was important how you cleaned the bathrooms. It was cl- important how you invited people. It was important how we did the bounce house. It was important. It was important. It was important. No matter what you were involved in, it was important and it mattered because people came to Christ that day. People joined this church that day. What it matters. Nothing is too small. It matters. Growing in our faith is a building block of changing our environment. How do we grow in our faith? We take the next step. And finally, this is a huge one. This is a great one. This is a leap. Could even be called a cannonball. Please don't do it. It's the baptism day. Get baptized. Fully submerge yourself into what it is to be a part of the kingdom of God. I'm so excited about this day on September 11th. If you're interested in that and want to have more questions about it, please uh, holler at me or put it on your connection card and say baptism. 
talk to me, Jared, and I would love, love, love to do that. Um, life groups are the primary which, way in which we grow um, here at the church. Sunday morning is a fantastic time to come together and to reach, but life groups is really where we put the emphasis on growing. And that builds some beautiful relationships. I have life groups who try to meet in secret because we have seasons. We have seasons where it's you do a spring, a spring semester and a fall semester, and then we get these feisty people who are like, let's meet in secret and don't tell Jared about it because we love being around each other so much. And then you can always tell when it's time to do life group again because people will come up, like, when's the life group going to happen again? Because, like, guys, you can get together outside of life groups. You can call somebody. You can have dinner. It, it, it's, it's okay. But the guys are jonesing for it because they can't just get together and be like, hey, let's, let's get together and have a meal. Hey, guys, let's go to Marishka's. Then it's manly, greasy, and good, all right? Uh, so I got thumbs up for that. It's awesome. Uh, but the guys are like, when's, uh, when's life group coming to happen? Because they can't say, man, I really need to talk to people. I really need to be together. That wouldn't be cool. But uh, when's, when's the men's group going to happen? That's September 18th. It's going to start up again. Why is that, that, that need there? It's because it's a place in which we, we push each other, in which we grow together. There's a scripture found in Mark chapter 2 that really, really, really uh, shows you what life groups are supposed to be about. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that they had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. So men came, bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and they lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive his sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, What are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you to get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. The guys, the friends, knew that the environment needed to change. The man couldn't do it by himself. He is paralyzed, right? He could not get up and go take himself to Jesus. They're even going, all right, I don't know, I don't know how, how this is going to work. So they're carrying, you can imagine these guys carrying him on a, on a sheet. That's always what's in my head. Uh, carrying him on a sheet and they're like, oh, we got a problem, right? Because it's just a crowd of people. And so the sea of people, like, oh, how are we going to do this? Now, I love, I, 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 I have some friends that probably would have came up with the idea of, we could put a hole in the roof. <laughs> Paul would say, I got this sawzall. I got this tool that would be perfect for it. We're like, oh, no. And then Perry would be like, oh, I got a chainsaw. And then, you know, so we'd be one-upping each other and what power tool we'd use on the, on, the, on the ceiling. But that's just our issues as friends. But, these guys are going, how are we going to get this guy to Jesus? He obviously needs it. 
How are we going to get him to Jesus? They have a desperation in their life. They have a desperation in their heart to say, how are we going to get him to Jesus? And this is what makes life groups beautiful. It's because that we join together in desperation of how we get each other to Jesus. And this is where we grow. What do life groups do and what do these guys do? They show how life groups work. They carry you when you can't walk. They carry you when you can't walk. We all find ourselves in different areas. And I think about carrying somebody. Carrying somebody is not fun. For some reason, I, I just, I don't know. I think it's where my vertebrae are misaligned in my back or whatever. But even my little kids, if I'm carrying my little kids, I just start hurting so bad. There is a lot of discomfort. And I feel bad because I was like, you know, doing the Disneyland walk, <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry. I carried you for like five seconds. I don't know what happened. It just feels like my back's exploding. But here's the deal. We got to be worth going through the discomfort to grow. And so these guys, you know, they're probably going, I don't really want to carry this guy. This is not going to be fun. Who knows how big he is? How much is going to weigh? Is it going to fall through the mat? Like, what's going to happen? But they committed to carrying the guy when he can't walk. Life groups do the same thing. We are committing. This is going to be not going to be very comfortable. This is going to be awkward. People around us might look at us funny. The guy who owns the house is really going to be upset. But we have to be willing to carry people when they can't walk. We've got to be a part of the team. What does being part of that team entail? First is this, show up. What happens if like the fourth guy doesn't show up? Now we got a corner. Now you got one guy trying to carry both of them. It falls apart really quickly. When you don't show up, you're part of the team. Show up. Second thing, read the Bible. Read it. Last week we talked about being passionate for the presence of God and how that looks like and what that means for us. And the 90-day Bible reading challenge that we're trying to do here with the students this week, this uh, next 90 days, uh, three months. Because this point here, it is infinitely easier to carry someone when you know which way to carry them. It is infinitely easier to carry someone when you know which way to carry them. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I went to Six Flags with these students. There's a reason I never push Kevin to take our students to Six Flags. It's because I was a youth pastor, and I took kids to Six Flags. And so these kids decided, they're, they were eighth grade boys. There's a reason I don't push. <laughs> great boys. And one of them decided, remember you know, the kicking game, they're walking down the hall, and you kick somebody's leg, and they fall? If you didn't, now you know, and sorry about that. Uh, but this, it happened to me, right? This kid gets kicked. He was starting, he was in his first step of running, gets kicked. Does this, he's an overdramatic kid, whatever. He falls. Ah! He's screaming on the asphalt in the middle of Atlanta, Georgia, Six Flags. So I just thought he was burning his skin. I was like, get up, get up, get up. Ah! He's screaming, he's screaming, he's screaming. So I just go over and I pick him up. Carry him to the closest shelter I can, which is the smoking shed. Awesome. Uh, so <laughs> carry him into the smoking shed. These people are just looking at him like, shouldn't have moved him. Thanks for the help, Bob. Could you blow that in my face? Yeah. Oh, right Lose my Jesus. Uh, so we're there. 
we're there. And he's still screaming. I was like, what is going on? He's like, my shoulder, my shoulder, my shoulder. I was like, uh-oh, we got a problem. And so I'm going, I don't know what to do now. And like, I never forget, you shouldn't have picked him up. He broke, he might've broke his neck. And I was like, God loves you. Lightning bolt? No? Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry. It's actual true story. Uh, so I picked him up and I just started carrying him because I didn't want to be in the smoking shed anymore. And I knew it wasn't his neck. Uh, so I'm carrying, I'm walking around and I'm like, oh, and he's still crying and, and going around and I'm carrying this kid. He's getting real heavy in my arms. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And finally I see somebody works there. Where is the first aid station? Where is this? And they said, it's just right over the corner here. He got infinitely lighter when I knew where help could come from, right? And so uh, a couple things. One, that's why I don't go to Six Flags. Two, it's always an awkward conversation when you call a mom. Your son just broke his collarbone at Six Flags. But um, don't trip people, Hayden. Uh, <laughs> it, wasn't our, it wasn't our students, I promise. It's infinitely easier to carry someone when you know which way to carry them. Third thing is pray. It's easy to get someone to the doctor when you know the doctor. Have you ever tried to recommend a doctor to someone that you've never been to? Oh, yeah, go to Dr. So-and-so. He's great. Have you been there? Nope. It's, it's just awkward. It's, when I first moved here, I get new people in the church, and maybe they move from out of town, and they're like, oh, can you recommend a doctor for my kids? I was like, nope. <laughs> Look at me really weird. I'm like, I don't know any. Like, I don't, we haven't had an experience yet. Give me a week. My kids will break something, and then we'll, 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 we'll have some frame of reference. And so we're there, and then finally uh, the Watkins uh, start coming to the church last fe- February, and she calls me, and she says, okay, I, I've got twins and I need, a, I need a doctor for them. One of them is very atypical. They get lung stuff all the time. I was like, ooh, I got this one, right? I got twins, and I got one that has lung stuff all the time, right? I know the doctor for you. And so I went on and on and on about recommending this doctor to, uh, to her because she's like, oh, thank you so much. It was a totally different conversation because I knew exactly who and what she needed out of that time. When we pray, we get to know the doctor. It's, it's very easy to get someone to the doctor when you know the doctor you're Self. Second thing these guys do, they're willing to take extraordinary steps to help them. They are willing to rip the roof off of someplace to get you to Jesus. Now you need friends in your life like this. And this is what our life groups strive to be, that they're willing to do anything to make a fool of themselves to get charges pressed on them for destruction of property because they want to get you to Jesus. And that takes discomfort. What is the neighbor going to think about me? Sustained discomfort. What is this going to be? What do you think the guy on the sheet thought, right? When he's being carried up a flight of stairs. What do you think he thought when he's like, hold on, bud, they're going to get you down there. I promise. And lowered through the roof. You're paralyzed. It's not like you can just roll off and land on your feet. You can't do that. Complete trust that your friends got your back. That would have been very discomforting to me. My control issues would not have handled that well. You've got to be willing to take extraordinary steps for the people around you. 
And that takes sustained discomfort. And finally, get you to Jesus. Be willing to get you to Jesus. The point is that we put people in front of Jesus. I can't heal you. I can't fix you. You can't fix them. You can't heal them. Jesus is the one that does the healing. And these friends are humble enough to know that. So often we start in our conversations and we're like, oh, yeah, 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 I got the, I got the solution for this. I got the fix for this. And this is what I did. And we don't bring God into that conversation. We don't bring God into that whole moment. Instead, we rely on ourselves. The switch that the friends do is they just get them to Jesus. Our healing is obviously not working. Our healing is not doing the right thing here. We've got to get them to Jesus. As we take next steps here at the church, how are we getting our neighbors? How are we getting our friends? How are we getting our family to Jesus? Have we been doing the sustained discomfort to get the people that we care about, to get the people we know to Jesus? And the answer to that question is probably not. It was too hard. It was too hot. I didn't want to talk to that person. I felt uncomfortable. What we're offering is life-changing, eternity-changing good news of Christ, that God loves them more than they can ever imagine. That no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, he loves them and cares about them. We have got to get people to Jesus. Things are never going to change if you stay exactly where you are doing the same things you always do. Things will never, ever change if you stay exactly where you are doing the same things you always do. Sustained discomfort will change your environment. What does that mean for you? What next step does that mean for you? What is that? How are you getting called out to do something maybe a little bit different? Maybe it's something you've never tried before. Maybe it's something that, I don't know, Jared, water scares the bejeebas out of me. I don't want to be baptized. Maybe it's the time to do that. Maybe it's time to work in the kids' ministry. Maybe it's time to serve at the block party. What is your next step? What's going to cause you? I'm not asking you to be miserable. That's not what we do. But what's going to cause a little discomfort and press you and push you to the next thing in life? How are you going to grow in your faith to change your environment? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the movement that you have in our lives. God, as we live our lives, as we try to press into you with everything that we have, with all that we are, God, let us recognize the the place where we need to stretch, where we need to move, where we need to take a step. God, that you would place a burden on our hearts and on our lives. A calling to be closer to you, to be willing to be uncomfortable, 
in chasing after you and what you have, the glorious life that you have for us. God, we love you. We praise your name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. Go with God.